What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. Sammy here, and I am covering a very important topic today. Um, I brought on a guest, Brenna O'Malley, owner of The Wellful, which is a virtual private practice. Um, She's a registered dietitian. Everything is rooted in her practice and intuitive eating, health at every size. We had Brenna on our podcast, honestly, I think it was a year ago, um, and we covered COVID and just relationship with food. So it's so funny to really be full circle here in 2021. Now we're it's March again. Um, and except we have intuitive fasting that we're covering today and Brenna, um, and I just had a really uncensored conversation of what our thoughts and opinions are on intuitive fasting. And we talk about just the language that they use. We talk about some reflective questions that you can really sit with and journal with if you are curious about trying intuitive fasting. Um, we talk a little bit about the myths of intuitive eating and how, how we feel like intuitive fasting has really preyed on some of those myths and are trying to lure people in to the fasting um, diet for, because it is a diet and spoiler alert, you'll hear us talk about that intuitive fasting is in fact a diet and why we can get to that conclusion based off of some of the things that intuitive fasting stands for. So without giving too much away, um, if you have heard of intuitive fasting, if you've seen Gwyneth Paltrow's book, um, coming to fruition, I highly recommend listening to this episode. If you are curious, um, if you don't already definitely, definitely, definitely need to follow a few different social channels. What the actual fork pod is our, um, Instagram handle. So if you don't already follow that highly recommend it because we're constantly posting, um, different quotes, different kind of clips when we have our interviews. So it's a great place to really stay connected and just stay up to date with all of our episodes. Uh, also, um, the wellful who you'll hear Brenna talk about that today, our guest, but that is her private practice. My private practice, as you guys may know, if you've listened thus far is at find.food.freedom. And then my co-host who is out on maternity leave, Jenna, if you guys have listened to any of our previous episodes, Jenna's handle is happy, strong, healthy RD. So Those are loads of handles that you can follow to get more information on intuitive eating, not intuitive fasting, um, but just 
so happy you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart. Every time you guys listen to an episode, leave a review, subscribe, like, or share. We are just so appreciative because the more that you do that, the more that these episodes get out, um, get into the public and Lord, don't we know that the intuitive eating, um, message is, is so needed in a world that has a $72 billion, uh, diet industry. So with that being said, um, I'm going to hand it on over and, and go into the episode with Brenna. Um, please, please, please let us know your thoughts, your questions, leave a review. If you feel compelled, um, love you. Thank you for being here and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to another episode of what the actual fork podcast today. We have a returning guest. You are our second person that is here for their second time. So we have Brenna O'Malley, who is the owner of The Wellful. Thank you so much for being here, Brenna. Thanks, Sammy. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. And I'm so happy that you're here because you you messaged me and you're like, all right, we got to do this. Like, we have to talk about this. Um, so based off of the name of the podcast, people that are listening already know that this is all about intuitive fasting. So... Yeah. Take a deep breath, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So I have the Goop website pulled up here, which for those of you who don't know, Goop is a company owned by Gwyneth Paltrow. Now, when I did, I forget what episode I did previously. I think it was, I think it was a Jillian Michaels podcast that I did where I kind of covered that whole shit show and I don't mean her, I mean the shit show of like what she did and said. Um, and I think I want to just like preface and kind of disclaimer to this episode that like, we are not here to bash Gwyneth Paltrow. If anything, I think you probably would agree with me that we have a lot of empathy for her, that she is very clearly immersed in diet culture, you know, exuding a lot of disordered eating behaviors publicly um, and being in that industry, like so many people do fall victim to that. And so this is not bashing Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, these are our opinions on her newest book, Intuitive Fasting. And as two intuitive eating rooted dietitians, we're just going to have a really honest conversation of what we think of intuitive fasting. So a few things I have pulled up here to, um, I'm going to be dropping heavy air quotes when I read this, um, is this is what they say about intuitive fasting. I'm going to try to say it with a straight face. It's not really a cleanse at all. It's a new approach to understanding your body's cues and eating both for satisfaction, LOL, and restoration. And what we're hearing from her is a rare review. Gwyneth Paltrow said she feels great and reset. You can read all about this four-week program in Cole's Goop Press book, Intuitive Fasting, where he outlines the most effective ways to fast in which foods to eat in order to amplify the benefits of intermittent fasting. Uh, he also shares his holistic strategies for reducing inflammation, recharging metabolism, and resetting your gut health. You'll have access to meal plans, recipes, daily eating schedules with plenty of flexibility. This book will not punish or restrict you. Wow, I can't even get through that uh, line without laughing. Instead, Cole will give you got a guide to connect or reconnect to your body and intuition. I'm going to hand it on over to you, Brenna. Yeah, well, they really hit 
every uh like buzzword that you could put in there I feel like they um I I think it's just such a it's such an oxymoron overall the whole thing like to start with intuitive fasting the only reason that we really say intuitive eating instead of like sometimes the response will be when I explain intuitive eating I'm sure you have like a similar response sometimes to um someone will say something well that just sounds like eating food right and it's like on it, like it, there is more to it than that, right? It's like, we have research behind it. We have, um, you know, all these evidence-based studies behind it, but we would be able to call it pretty much just eating. If we didn't live in this diet culture saturated society, that means that we associate eating often with diets or these prescription plans or the intention of not listening to your body in all of these different ways. So for them, to, for this title of this book to be intuitive fasting, it's so, I just think it's such a, they're just like co-opting that word because it's trending and then putting it with fasting, like as if we, you need to be taught how to not eat. It's like how to listen to your body, to not listen to your body because you're not eating essentially. Yes. Yes. And I love that. That's such a great point that you bring up is that as you and I both know, and that intuitive eating has grown immensely, I would say, well, obviously since 1995, when Evelyn and Elise wrote the book, but I would say more so in the past, I guess it's a year. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just, you know, and, and with TikTok, like being on there and bringing awareness to it, like, I'm sure you hear this all the time. People be like, I never heard of intuitive eating until I found you. And like, how cool is that, that we get to really expose people to this, but it just, it's such a testament that of diet culture trying to grasp onto anything to pull people back in. Absolutely. And, and I think it's such a, I talk a lot about um, like the language that we use around food and how important, like that it matters, right. That it matters that we call foods like good or bad or guilty, right. Because that has such a significance. And I think with this also, it's almost like slapping the label intuitive and putting that in quotes on this plan, but then everything underneath it is not into, you know, is not aligned with that, with what they're saying that this is right. They have, it's a four week program. It's, um, you know, your intention is to like restrict in some way because you're fasting. It has specific foods and meal plans that it's giving you. All of these different things are things that are not aligned with the idea of being intuitive or instinctual or aligned with listening to your body, right? Those are all external cues. So it's just, I think it's such a good example, unfortunately, of marketing and diet culture and how it's so influential and it's so tricky because now if you Google intuitive, the, like the next word that might be filled in is fasting and you might end up here. Whereas you might've been looking for something, maybe you've like seen someone on TikTok or on social media, heard about intuitive eating, and then you get led to this book. And I think it's just, I mean, it's such a, it's such a bummer to say the least, because it's just so not actually what it is. Yeah. And I almost like picture when I was reading their um, little description here, I'm almost like picturing like a hypnotist, like swinging something in front of me while I'm reading it. Like, because it's as someone, you know, when you, when you know about intuitive eating and when you really get it, when you're reading this, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? But then I can only imagine to someone who has no understanding of intuitive eating, reading this and being like, wow, that sounds great. Because it literally is like the word, like you said, the words of intuitive eating being twisted into fasting. And the fact that they use 
within two sentences, they use the word restrict, like it will not punish or restrict you and that it's flexible when it's literally teaching you how to not eat. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand how they can even, I don't understand. And that it's four weeks long, right? It's like the definition of a diet, right? There's like a time limit on it that you're, you're like, it's just not even a lot, like, right. What happens? It's like kind of whole 30, what happens on day 31? Like what happens on week five of this, right? When you're not doing this flex quote, flexible four week fasting plan, right? Like, I think it's, um, there are so many contradictions in it. And part of, I know one of the, um, quotes I saw or endorsements from Gwyneth Paltrow also says something along the lines of like, I feel best when I'm intuitively eating. And I feel like that is, you know, you're like taking these pieces and it's like, that is great, right? Like someone who feels good and however they're eating. But I think the language is really important, especially when you have influence and you're endorsing this book, that that's not what that is. And that's really confusing. Yeah. And I think, and I, I have a question that pops into my head only because I, I see it a lot in my DMs and I would love to hear how you respond and, and I can always add on, but like, I think it falls into people will see this and I'm like, oh, this sounds great because it feels intuitive, but it also still like ha- it obviously is a diet. So people probably feel more comfortable with it because intuitive eating is really scary. If you've been on diet after diet, you know, for five, 10, 20 plus years. And now we're telling you that you have unconditional permission to eat. And I think that that's where people grasp this idea that intuitive eating is just like eating all the things and like, and never stop eating basically. So to someone who would say to you or ask you like, well, like we fast, you know, in our sleep. So why is this bad? Like, you know, or an intuitive eating is just eating all the things. Like, how would you respond to them? Or how would you kind of navigate that conversation? Yeah. Well, I think that is a really good point. Like something I think is helpful is when someone's first learning about intuitive eating, or even as you're like going throughout it, right. Is like, if you feel skeptical or find parts that you're like, Ooh, I don't know if I agree with this, or I, I feel like this, like feels like it's tricking me just like all of these past diets have tricked me. I think it's so helpful to lean into that and be like, okay, like we can be skeptical of this. Like we can like question these different things and like hold space for that. That's coming up. I don't think that's wrong to have. Um, but then I would say, right. Like, okay, so yeah, we do not eat overnight, but we don't necessarily need to like train ourselves to not eat overnight or, um, something like the idea that intuitive eating is just eating all the foods all the time without any thought around it. That's also not exactly what intuitive eating is either. It's about, you know, tuning, having the ability for you to be centered in like your food choices and be making choices that feel good to you that are both based on pleasure that are based on enjoyment that make room for gentle nutrition and to not be having these external influences like that are dictating your food choices or making you feel badly for them. And so ultimately what that looks like as you go through this, of course, in the beginning, especially it might feel like you feel more out of control around food or, you know, have these like different eating behaviors than maybe you'll have down the road because it's new and you're often, you know, introducing foods that haven't been there for a really long time or unlearning these different food rules or, you know, having food experiences that you've been preventing yourself from having for a long time. But 
ultimately the goal and like, as you go through this work, and I'm sure you see this, you know, with your clients as well, is that then you do have more of that autonomy and ability to navigate those different decisions and not feel so out of control or not feel so chaotic. And you can also add some like structure in there in the beginning too, so that it doesn't feel so scary because I think diets do a good job of giving us like this feeling of safety and guardrails and by structure, I don't mean a meal plan, but kind of, you know, how can we like make your food, you know, go through making your food choices? What would help you throughout the day? What would feel supportive? What are some things that do make you feel good? Or, um, some of those like general gentle, like, uh, tools that you can apply throughout your day. So it doesn't feel like you're just free falling into this abyss. Yes. I love that. And I think that's so crucial because I think that just from, really engaging with people on social media, especially people who like our accounts or maybe some of the first times they're hearing about intuitive eating. I, I hear that come up all the time or something that hits home for me. And I get a lot of questions about too, is like, people will be like, you know, I have this medical condition or I have, you know, aversions to these foods or allergies to these foods. And you're just telling me to eat all the foods. And it goes back to that same myth of like, that is not what we're saying. Intuitive eating is a self-care form of eating that teaches you how to trust your body again and feel physically, mentally, emotionally pleasant. If there are foods that you can't eat for a medical condition, or there are foods that don't make you feel physically pleasant when you eat them, we are not here shoving those down your throat. Like we're here to say, okay, if that does not feel physically pleasant, you're allowed to not eat that. Not because you're physically restricting to change this, you know, the shape of your body, but because it doesn't feel pleasant. And as someone who personally struggles with multiple autoimmune diseases, um, like when I have flare ups, like there are times that like, I really have to shift what I'm consuming but not because I'm trying to change the size of my body, but because I'm in a state of physical discomfort. And that doesn't mean I'm intuitive fasting, right? But I'm listening to my body and taking care of my body in that moment. And I think there's just such a misunderstanding of what intuitive eating is. So it, it brings me a lot of fear as a practitioner when someone's creating this intuitive fasting, because it's almost like, here's all the things people are afraid of intuitive eating about let's create intuitive fasting. So they, they aren't afraid and they'll do this instead. And it's like, Oh, like just another thing that we have to dismantle. Right. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think that's such a good, a great like description of, of where it fits. And I think kind of like some checkpoints to use if you're seeing this messaging or, you know, just, I think the hard part or a hard part is when you maybe like do decide that like you're, you're done with dieting or you want to move away from this, or, you know, you look at your past experiences and this hasn't been making you feel so good, or you're like exhausted, like spending this brain space and energy, like navigating these different rules around food and, and health and your body and what you should be eating and shouldn't be eating. Right. Is then how can you tell when something you know, is aligned with intuitive eating or a non-diet approach. And when is it this like sneaky diet culture in disguise? And I think some, some like helpful things to look out for are the rule, like the language that they're using. Right. And, and kind of noticing, right. Okay. So if we think about what is intuitive eating, what, what does that mean to me? And like, what do I know that that actually means from, you know, like my trusted sources 
And then kind of saying, does this sign sound like it lines up? And then also looking at things like, is it a, is it giving me all of these external rules? Is it telling me certain foods to and not to eat? Is it giving me a meal plan? Is it telling me when I should be eating or giving me a schedule for that? Is it only a certain amount of time, right? Like, and if we were to look at intuitive fasting from that perspective, it's doing a lot of those things, right? It's giving us this Mm -hmm. four week plan. It's giving us a meal plan. It's telling us what foods we should like avoid and not avoid, which is different than you as a person individually deciding what those foods, you know, what foods make you feel good or not. Right. Like that's an external thing. So I think those are some helpful things, like, you know, checkpoints to kind of have too, as someone who's listening is trying to navigate, how do I figure out what, you know, where this falls in the lines of like a non-diet approach or something that's more diet culture saturated. Yeah. So to be explicitly clear for listeners, what I'm hearing you say and what I would agree with is intuitive fasting as a diet. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Just want to make sure that's like explicitly clear for our listeners. Intuitive fasting is not intuitive whatsoever. It's a fucking diet. And yes. if anyone tries to tell you otherwise, they are lying. And like, I think you, you brought up a great point earlier is that we're here to hold space for, you know, questions and concerns and red flags. And, and we're also not anti-human beings dieting because literally I would say every single one of my clients that I work with has dieted, right? Like that's what brings us to a place of intuitive eating saying like, I can't do this anymore. This is harming me. This is not helping me. My health has declined because of this. So if there is a part of you that says like, I want to try intuitive fasting, we're not here to say, don't do it. We're not here to convince you not to diet, but we're here to just call it like it is and say like, this is a diet. And I often ask people questions, like if they're thinking of starting a diet, like one, is it sustainable for the rest of your life? Two, does it compromise your mental sanity? And three, is it going to have helpful long-term benefits to your health? And I think it's safe to say that we know what the answers to those three questions are regarding intuitive fasting, but those are things I often tell people like sit with these questions, journal about this, and you make your own informed decision, but we're here to at least help kind of take the glitter off of this pile of shit and tell you that it's a diet. Totally. Absolutely. I think those are great points and like points that you can just have in your back pocket and use at any time when you're noticing that come up for you. And, and the other one that I would add to that even is how has something like this, like maybe the last time that I did something like this, how has that gone for me? And looking at your own experience versus I know I'm sure that testimonials at some point will come out about intuitive fasting or whatever that, you know, whatever the next thing is. And I think it can be really tempting to be like, oh my gosh, like this person had this experience, right? They say this, maybe this is different and you're not wrong for feeling that way. That's exactly the point of testimonials, right? Is like to kind of show what someone else's experience has been. But I think it can also be really powerful to like center your own experience and say, how has the last time that I did this, a similar four week program, or I did some version of fasting, or I did something that gave me a meal plan. How did that go for me in the past? What was helpful about that? What was not so helpful about that? And why am I not currently doing that now? Right? Like what has gotten me to this place of being looking at for the next thing? Because I think that's another point about diets is that we know that they, they don't like fulfill on the promises that they give us. Otherwise 
there wouldn't be this huge industry that is cranking out new diets and new versions of them and new titles and combining intermittent fasting with intuitive fasting with, you know, all of these different things. And so kind of saying, how has this gone for me in the past? Like, what has my experience been when I've seen something like this and tried that? I love that. I love that question of like, I usually say to people, where has dieting and restricting gotten you thus far? And if you've been on the diet roller coaster for five, 10, 20, 30, 40 plus years, what is different about this? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it's like, we, we talk about it all the time on our platforms. Like it is scary to walk away from that, especially if your life goal or purpose has been centered around how do I shrink my body or, you know, what's going to be the next thing that's going to bring me this happiness that I've been searching for. But um, I think sitting with those questions, journaling those questions, just being really curious, non-judgmental, no guilt, no shame, but just getting curious about this. And, oh, it's just, it's, it's like, it's almost funny when I think about like doing this podcast episode, I'm like, we could literally just do millions of podcast episodes on how much everything is bullshit. Like it's just, <laughs> and I just wish like it takes away from like, I want to do more podcasts. on just like how amazing intuitive eating is and like how it's life-changing, but, but because of the world we live in, like we have to help dismantle all of this for people to be able to get to that point. Um, so I don't know where I'm going with that. I just, Oh, intuitive fasting. Who would have thought? I know. I know. I, I think like the one, the one thing I think, um, from it, if we take any positives from this, and I think we, you might've mentioned this in the beginning too, is that I think for diet culture to be taking something that is related to intuitive eating, right. I think if we think about all of this is just like marketing competition, like marketplace kind of a thing that intuitive eating must be a big threat to diet culture that they're now co-opting this language around it, right. To like be marketing this new thing that we have identified as a diet. And so, um, I think not that that's a win because it doesn't feel like one, but I think that is something to, you know, give credit to that. That is the language that's being adopted now because that's, what's getting people's attention and is like, you know, uh, something that people are choosing to do instead of dieting at this moment. So that can be like our small sort of win that hopefully then we can do more, um, you know, intuitive eating related pieces too, but we have to like navigate the, like the bullshit and all of the, the pieces that are interrupting us from ultimately getting, getting back to that body yeah. trust and like internal cues and intuitive fasting is one of those things. Yeah. I guess if we think about it, it all fits into principle number one, rejecting the diet mentality. And I think it's a great point between we have inner or intuitive fasting here. We have another podcast coming out later this month with, um, noom is basically just like another version, not necessarily of fasting, but of trying to co you know, co-opting that language of trying to mm -hmm. say, it's like, has the whole like psych component and behave like behavioral model. So right. see that podcast for that one, but <laughs> it's, it, that's a great way to look at it is that they see it as a threat because we know that if everybody truly believed and trusted their body that this $72 billion diet industry would burn in hell. Um, it would drop tomorrow, right? Like if nobody, like 
felt like they needed to shrink their body. If everyone could truly trust their body and take care of their body and, and be intuitive eaters tomorrow, then this industry would fall to the ground. Um, and we'll get there one day at a time, one podcast at a time, but, um, yeah, that's a, I love that positive spin that you gave. Um, so any, I think we covered a lot of great things today. I think this is a great breakdown. Any like lasting thoughts or anything you want to leave for the listeners? No, I think, I think that if you listen to this podcast episode, then you were curious about, you know, what this was. And I think that's a great place to be, to be starting and yeah, don't, don't fall for it as best as, as best as you can. Yes. So to leave them with the, the final questions, um, what did we say? So does it compromise your mental sanity? Where has dieting and restricting gotten you thus far? Why am I blanking on our other two? Is it sustainable? Is it sustainable for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. So and I think there's another one, but now I'm blanking, but go back and listen to those. But I think those questions, like you said, if you're curious, if you're here, listen to those questions, um, write those questions out, journal those questions and and come up with your own educated decision, but just know that intuitive fasting is in fact a diet. Um, and I, I know where to find you, but Brenda, for everyone listening, where can they find you to learn more? Yeah. So I'm at the wellful on Instagram and the wellful.com is the website of my private practice also. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there, and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves, and follow along with us on social at what the actual fork pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you. We appreciate you. And we will see you next week for a lot more fun. Look around. You can find cars like these on auto trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.